episode six of season five of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, competition. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. And we're going to be talking about leadership in organizations. Leadership in organization happens at all levels and takes many forms. Sharon, sometimes um, our conversations are sparked by something that we see in the news. And not too long ago, it was um, an announcement in the uh, in the came out that Microsoft was eliminating stacked ranking, and that created some buzz on the web, and particularly among some folks who noted that a few years ago um, or a while back, Bill Gates was on the Oprah show and was telling her about how. Everybody should do stacked ranking because it's the best thing since sliced bread. And, and specifically, schools should be doing it. And a lot of schools actually did take that advice mm-hmm. and shifted. Mm-hmm. But, of course, now Microsoft is saying, you know, stacked ranking really didn't work so well for us. And, and so I, I, it got me thinking about both the pros and cons of stacked ranking, which we could describe and talk <laughs> right. about, but then also, there is a general th- thing that happens that says, well, if only government or if only schools were run in a more business-like way, you know, things would be better. And the thing is, school districts and schools and government agencies in general aren't businesses. Right. And so they don't necessarily thrive under the same treatment that a business thrives under. Plus, what we have learned over time is that things that businesses think are making them thrive aren't really. And so how do we keep from generalizing those things that aren't such great ideas into places where they don't fit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but let's just talk about stat- talking about stacked ranking. And I know you've got um, your HR background can you describe for any of our listeners who don't know what stacked ranking is, how it works, and what it is? Well, it's 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 a it's a system. It's also called forced ranking. Uh, it's essentially grading on a bell curve, and um, with annual performance reviews. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And um, actually, in my early days at United Airlines, we we actually used that system for a while. And it was a disaster because um, let's say you were the manager of a group that had six employees. Mm -hmm. And if you're grading on a bell curve, you essentially have two at the top, two at the bottom, and two in the middle. You know, maybe you spread it out a little bit more than that. But but essentially, that's what happens. Well, that's okay if you have two credit performers. Right. But what if you really don't have two credit performers? And in fact, there are lots of departments um, in any organization where you won't have two credit performers out right. of six. Right. So, so um, you know, it forces people to to make choices about who's the better mm-hmm. of what may be all good performers. And to some extent, that has some value, but 
it's the, it's the downside of it that I think, that I object to, that I think many people object to, which is it forces managers to say that these people aren't good enough. Right. And I think that's demoralizing. I think it builds in competition to, to instead of um, collaboration, because people know that they can't... They're all in competition with each right, other. Right, right, right. For the... <laughs> For the for the small part of the upper right. you know the upper tiers of the pie, or the mm -hmm. up rounder or the yeah. positive well, side of the Well, sometimes it has to do with opportunities for promotion, but other times it also has to do with just even staying with the company. Absolutely, there are some companies who say the bottom ten percent every year goes. Any, anybody we know, yeah. Well, let's not name names, but yeah. But because because these have been very big companies. Um, other companies begin to emulate that, right? And and at some point, you know, it might be for the first year where, that you're getting rid of some deadwood. Maybe the second year that's mm -hmm. still happening, right? But after that, you're beginning to cut into people who have good um, knowledge of your organization and how your organization works, and are probably if not the top tier performers, pretty good. Right. And if you still have to identify 10% right. of those and send them out the door, they are taking your business intelligence with them. Of course they which, are. Which, you know, along with the the damage to collaboration and teamwork right. and and right. just the, yeah. You know, and it's 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 not different when you're teaching. Right. Um, I mean, as a university professor you right. know I, I've been in that same kind of situation where we're supposed to do that that's pretty nutty yeah I mean if you look at for instance a graduate program um, in many graduate programs even getting a B is like right. you know you might as well hang it up right. but theoretically you shouldn't even be in the program if you're right. not capable of getting a, right. a good grade. And I refuse to teach anymore at the university or graduate level um, unless it's a pass-fail class. Yeah. Because I, I am not going to be in that position of having to say that a perfectly good student who's done a perfectly adequate job is maybe not as good as somebody who's done a stellar job, but that doesn't mean that they don't deserve to be there and they don't deserve to pass the class. And it doesn't mean that their work wasn't good enough. Exactly. I mean, it, exactly. Yeah, and that's song. right. I mean, yeah. so so adequate, yeah. good enough, right? Is is what's wrong with that? Yeah. Right. You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a. Yeah. There is to me. There is no justification for that, and it's. It's a substitute for managers having to really grapple with um, those employees who are difficult employees and to really say, those people don't belong here or those people need to right. be on a performance improvement plan or whatever. Right. I mean, this is a real cop-out for managers right. um, to deal with problem employees. Well, and I would think that organizations would notice 
that it's a cop-out for them as well in the sense of if you're doing this at annual performance review time and you've got somebody that is underperforming and you really don't right. want to keep in a seat. <laughs> you should have been telling them yeah. that all along. Why are you waiting till the annual performance review to tell them? For one thing, it's kind of a gotcha for right. the person. Why right. not be giving them feedback right. all the way along? And... You know, and if you had been giving them feedback all the way along, the, the problem may be with the way the manager is giving feedback. I mean, every employee is a part of a system, right? right. And to hold them solely accountable right. for their performance without looking at the system's effects uh, that go along with that is also unfair. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, with the academic bent of it, uh, years ago, uh, gosh, many, many, many years ago now, um, I had the opportunity to spend a couple of days with Ken Blanchard. And he had come to Portland to uh, be a speaker for an uh, American Society for Training and Development event. And uh, I was his handler, basically. <laughs> I mean, I, I picked him yeah. up at the airport and made sure he got yeah. to wherever he needed to be and met people. Yeah. And, you know, that was my job. for That was my volunteer job for the day because uh, I was on the board then. And um, But it was a really, it was delightful to spend the day with him. And, and, I you know, I got to listen to every single talk he gave in a couple of different <laughs> venues. and But one of the stories that he told, and I don't remember if this was part of one of his talks or if he was I was just in a smaller group I think we were in a smaller group talking about this he was talking about when he was um, in the days when he was a professor in uh, one of the universities in uh, western Massachusetts I, I don't know which one I don't mm -hmm. remember for sure but he and Paul Hersey were there and they were working on the mm -hmm. you know situational leadership things that they both then took in some different directions and he said then that at the beginning of every term, he would tell his students, um, Here, here's a set of material that I believe you need to know by the time we get to the end of this and need to be able to, to work with and apply and so on. What, will, what it will be on the final is in this body of work. So if you understand this, there you could you can pass or do very very well on the final and so his students took that to heart accepted that lovely gift um, and instead of the idea of I've got all the knowledge and the game is you've got to figure out how to get it out of me mm -hmm. he just offered that mm -hmm. right and at the end of the term he had a lot of students who did very very good work and did very well on their finals and turned in his grades where he had a class full of a lot of people who made A's and B's. And if and after a few rounds of that, the the faculty, it, it, however it worked at that university, managed to push him out mm -hmm. because they said he wasn't applying academic rigor if he didn't have a bell curve mm -hmm. of, of graded students, mm -hmm. which is ludicrous. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't we want everybody to do well? Mm -hmm. What, you know, this... Well, it's and, the and same... And so it's the same at, exactly. at work or at... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so the other twist on this is this idea of... Uh, uh, Bill Gates telling Oprah, 
well, you know, because we're doing this at Microsoft and presumably at that point they still thought it was working well at Microsoft, school districts should also do this. They should also stack rank teachers and get rid of the, you know, and that idea of giving advice that is working more or less in business and saying we should also do that in government. We should also do that in other kinds of social agencies uh, like school districts is is off and has always felt off to me. I mean, I think there are... Uh, one of the things that comes to mind is, is the idea of uh, nonprofits. And I do think nonprofits have to pay attention to the fact that they need to have an income stream and money isn't dirty they have to have money to make their programs work and mm -hmm. so in that in that way they need some nonprofits need to think in a more business like way and not just be sort of we are above the money thing right. because nobody is right but on the other hand it's not like every process that works well in business is going to also work well for a school district or a nonprofit and now, as a result of whatever that was, um, the Bill Oprah conversation, uh, a lot of school districts have implemented stacked ranking for their teachers, for their uh, you know, all their staff, which isn't just teachers, and and now they're kind of stuck with it because it's a lot harder to shift back out of that in. You know that they, they can't just make the change like like a like a Microsoft can, right? Well, they've got a lot of well, other it's things even, they have to go through. Yeah, it's even more difficult than that um, because of um, because a lot of the money in the race for the race to the top or race for the top yeah. um, program that that Obama um, you know uh, right had. The the ranking stuff um, got tied. The dollars oh. got tied, and so it's it's not something that you know by fiat you could just say, okay, well tomorrow we're we're gonna give yeah, this our, in our up. district. We're just gonna give this right. Up. Yeah, I mean there's so much the money involved, and and I don't once you're engaged in one of those programs, pulling out, you know if. Uh, right. It is probably not just about money. Right. There's probably all kinds of other stuff that has to be Right. So So they're uh, stuck with this process of, right. that is now acknowledged to be flawed. Uh, yeah. And and but they're locked in. Right. So they've been kind of maybe not maybe forced is too strong a word but certainly pushed pushed into the direction of something that's ineffective right and was never going to work for schools right and and that is just i mean at some level that's just infuriating <laughs> well it is because because we're we're you know as taxpayers we look at the the um the, the result on the other end right. and it you know it's not producing better teachers right. it's not producing or um, higher achieving students no <laughs> not at all yeah. so um and and I don't I don't think there's 
any, I don't think anybody would make that claim at this right. point. Um, in fact, what I've heard is that that's a very, um, as it was to employees, um, you know, that I recall, it's dispiriting to teachers right. because a certain number of teachers look at that and say, well, unless I'm the best, then I can't just be good enough. Right. Um, and uh, so, it, you know, it, it's again, it's a competition right. as opposed to a collaborative um, model of behavior. Right. And, you know, I, I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, where that comes from um, it, you know that there there are people who just fundamentally believe mm-hmm. um, that competition is the way to get the best out of people and there are people I don't know if this has to do with your worldview but I suspect it does that there are people who just fundamentally believe that the spirit of collaboration is the way that you're going to get the best out of people. And we live in a society that's yeah. been competition-driven, right? and collaboration was a dirty word until right. recently in some circles. Right. And so I can see how it wouldn't have been that hard for a, a really competitive person like a Bill Gates mm-hmm. to you know, mean well, and right. to sell that idea to other right. people, because it, it's it, it's in our cultural fabric that that's right. the way, you know, the right. cream will rise to the top. Right. Meritocracy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and what we've not really done is take a much deeper right. view of what, right. what supports the meritocracy or right. what's behind the meritocracy. And 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 learn to see that in a different kind of way. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of depressing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of depressing. Well, and I, you know, there's some. There's the. I mean, I enjoy playing certain kinds of games. So there's certain there's there is a, a kind of competition that I enjoy, mm-hmm. um, and. In some ways, I enjoy the game, and I compete in the game, and I enjoy it whether I'm the winner or not. Right. You know, I mean, it's it's that it's that. Ooh, how you know? Can we push each other? And I think about that in terms of sometimes I think about different kinds of teams. So you know, there's the kind of team. There's the the uh, basketball team or the football team where really everybody has to be working together doing their job and a basketball team we even have they even more have to be able to move into each other's kind of role occasionally right in order for the whole team to be successful right and and the competition is a is a whole team competition against another team um in my uh, one of my sons was on swim team when he was in high school and in the swim team of course everybody's competing individually in their events sometimes there's more than one person on a team who's in the same event um and and there is kind of that 
friendly competition. We want to push each other to do our best mm -hmm. because it's the accumulation of all of our scores that says whether or not our team wins, right? And so, so I want to. I may want to swim the butterfly better than you, but I want you to swim it better than the guy on the other team. And so we're 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 challenging each other to do our best, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And there, and that's a kind of, I think, healthy competition. Mm -hmm. And um, and then there's the kind of competition that's the sort of what we think of the kind of dog eat dog. You know, I don't have to run faster than bear. I only have to run faster than you in that that <laughs> right. story, right? Right. Right. And 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 that's the kind I think that really begins to tear things down on an individual basis, and even within a company on a team basis. Teams can have the friendly kind of competition, mm -hmm. or they can be in the either our team survives or yours does kind of. Right. Thing. And that is destructive. Right. In organizations. And so I think, you know, there's something in U.S. business culture, and maybe it's in U.S. culture as a whole, I don't know, that tends to think of things in black and white. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. either competitive or you're collaborative. When in reality, there's a whole... <laughs> There's, spectrum. there's a whole spectrum in between and and finding giving some considered thought to yeah well, so maybe we want an element of competition in our organization maybe we want all of our employees to be challenging each other to do their best um, well that's, and, that's like a friendly rivalry uh, like a friendly rivalry and stacked ranking doesn't accomplish that, or whatever no, because, else doesn't accomplish because, that. Because because it's one thing to have a friendly rivalry right. and to say, right. okay, well, we're all we're all gonna survive this, but the winner gets a little prize or a right. little bonus. Right. But forced ranking or stacked ranking. Means you got winners and losers, and, and people's losers, livelihoods are at losers, stake. right? In essence, yeah. are going to die yeah. because their jobs are going to be lost. They're, they're right. going to be taken away. In that situation, the consequences of yeah. competition are a kind of life or death. Mm -hmm. And I think when the stakes are that high, and people feel like they're battling for survival, right? That ratchets it up to a whole different right now we're not talking about friendly rivalry anymore yeah now it's a fight to the death right yeah. it's like the gladiators or right. the hunger games or whatever right. i mean that's well, it, way different well and it's interesting to me that this always <laughs> i don't know the, the proponents of this always seem to be people who are at the top of the organization who are not going to be compared against anybody, right? They aren't going to be touched. Right. By, I mean, Bill Gates was never going to be stacked rank against anyone in his organization. Well, no, of course not. Right? And so, but he thinks it's a really good idea for everybody, for other people. Yeah. Right? And, it's, and that's another, I think, red flag in business. When you start thinking, this idea... It won't apply to me, but it'll be good for other people. Whatever the idea might be, that that's a flag that says we should take another look at this. 
if I don't feel like I could live under this, if I don't feel like I could also apply this to myself as a leader, maybe this is not a road I should be going down. You know, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. I wonder if um, the ranking of teachers, for example, um, if that applied to superintendents. Yeah, or, and curriculum directors and everybody else yeah, in the... Principals. Yeah, principals. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, those... It, anytime we start treading down that path of this doesn't apply to me, but it'll be good for other people. Well, and that, it'll be, that, that's how people often yeah. think about change. I right. don't need to change. Right. Everybody else who needs to change. Everybody else who needs to change. Right. And that's a, that's a, yeah. it's a faulty logic. It never really works that way. Right. And, um, and we keep thinking that this time it will work that way, mm -hmm. or we don't learn from history, or whatever. But, um, not so much, really. No. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's an interesting leadership problem to think about not just the narrow concept of stacked ranking, which, right. you know, is... is We've pretty thoroughly yeah. fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, what we haven't talked... Or maybe we have in some past podcasts, but we haven't really talked about, um, you know, well, how do you do a good job of helping people do good work, which is basically the the false intention behind this, is that somehow this is going to stimulate people to do better work. Um, so how, how do you really accomplish that? Um, and that's, you know, more frequent feedback and, and good feedback and job rotations and blah, blah, yeah, blah, and blah. Yeah, good there's coaching. A whole, and good right. coaching. And there's just a lot there. Um, but that's the problem. That's the leadership challenge, is to not go for the easy answers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but to really think about whatever kind of organization I'm in, whether it's a startup or a inter larger enterprise or a social service uh, agency or a government agency or, or whatever, um, what's going to work best in my organization and how do I how do I scan the landscape of all the ways that people are accomplishing this thing I want to get done and where is the real evidence for this is working well and that's working well and am I open to continually reevaluating that and what new has been learned and is there still evidence that this is the right way to go um, that's a big, that's a big part of leadership. Well, yeah, and you know, I'm always very suspicious of somebody who comes into a new role or a or a new organization and immediately yeah. institutes changes, yeah, so that they can put their mark. Yeah, you know, I mean, if I ruled the world, when people got into a new job or whatever, they would be forbidden you know, verboten <laughs> to, to make any significant changes for four to six months. Yeah. That they should just... Learn what's going on. Learn what's going on, understand the culture, see where things, you know, might need changing, consult with people, but to just move into an organization 
and just think you know better right. or yeah, and you are you know best is really arrogant right. and and in can almost never right have a good outcome well and that I mean, maybe that's a topic for another podcast, but that whole idea of bringing in new leadership. And, I mean, some folks feel the pressure to make changes right away because they've been given some kind of mandate to do that, right. which is wrongheaded. Right. You know, from the people who gave right. the mandate. So maybe the, that may be a topic for a whole other podcast about bringing in new, new leaders. But... Um, so I think we're we're at the end of this, and I um, and dear listeners out there, we we like to hear what your experiences with uh, stacked ranking or other um, policies and processes in your organizations that you feel have either helped you to perform better or have gotten in the way of performing better. And how did that work for you? And what do you have to add to this conversation? So we hope to hear from you. Yeah, and I'd also be interested if you have some experience with policies um, uh, or, or significant differences that you see between private industry and yes. government um, uh, and schools and organizations right. like that, um, maybe where you see some real significant differences and maybe some significant similarities. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks, Sharon, for the conversation. Okay. Please leave your comments on our blog or email us info at futureworksconsulting.com. You can also find us on Twitter at futurewks. This has been Episode 6 of Season 5 of Partnerships and Possibilities. Thanks for listening.